I feel like David Guetta on this uh, this <laughs> recruiting podcast. Uh, guys, welcome to Recruiting is No Joke. It's episode 56. We outlasted a lot of other podcasts. We're going to catch up to some other podcasts. I won't name names, but uh, welcome back to Recruiting is No Joke. Remember, guys, this is live. Uh, if you couldn't tell, that's why, that, that's why it says live and LinkedIn live on there. Um, but if you've got questions, if you've got comments, get in the chat. It's been a little bit quiet recently, and I'm suspecting it is the LinkedIn algorithm. So if you're seeing this now, say hi, tell me where you're calling in from or where you are, tell me what type of business you're in. Um, and then, of course, if you've got questions for our guest, get into the chat. I want to give a special shout out to our sponsors, MetaView. LinkedIn messed up my video this morning. I did a really funny video for MetaView announcing one of their new uh, product launches. And um, yeah, I don't know, like they had it out of sync. So I uh, reposted it to my business page. But if you haven't seen that video, go, go check it out. And if you are still typing, if you're using your hands to type uh, interviews, you need to check out MetaView. I hate typing. I'm not good at typing and talking because uh, I'm not a good multitasker. So if that's you, Go check out MetaView. I promise you, you'll be amazed by the features they have. It's a super cool tool. Uh, I've been using it on my searches that I'm working on. And I love it. So uh, that's why I'm promoting them. Uh, so thank you, MetaView. But uh, we've got, let's see, we've got Rafa, Tracy. Good to see both of you. Get in the chat. Let me know who else is out there. And I'm going to welcome our guest for today, Tim Sackett. Welcome, Tim. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I was just, I, I heard the music. I was like, I wonder if he went on Fiverr and like got oh, one of those producers to put that together for like 25 bucks. It was um, the script, just free. It's like a free oh, yeah. description music. <laughs> so I, we did it when I did HR Famous. Um, we did, we went to Fiverr and had a guy produce it. And for like 25 bucks, we got our actual own like music that oh, no, cool. like nobody else has. Like he did it like, you know, organically. Um, but it was like, it, it's like nothing, right. To have somebody put that together, but it's the same thing. It's just like this energy. Like you're like in the club, like. Oops, oops, yeah, oops. Da, da, da. yeah, exactly. I, you know, I've got friends who do music. I don't know why I don't just like lean on my friends, but uh, I know. Then, they, then they charge me like $700 an hour. So I'm like, forget yeah, that. Fiverr. Yeah, that's why I need to go. Fiverr. Yep. You can even have someone, they would sing it for you. You can do whatever. You can tell them like, hey, I want like a singing jingle, you know. I might, maybe for 2024, I will do that. That's actually not that bad. That's not a bad idea. Well, Tim, I don't know. Um, I don't know who all is out there because we're, you know, people are being a little bit quiet right now. But uh, sure. why don't you yeah. give us a quick intro on who you are, what you do. And uh, I'm sure most of the viewers have seen some of your content and, uh, or seen you speak live, yeah, yeah. So, but love the intro. Um, you know, at my heart, I'm a recruiter guy. Um, I've worked pretty much all my career in either HR recruiting, either on the agency side or the or the corporate side. Um, and then over the last um, really about 14 years now, have run the recruiting agency that my mother actually started over 40 years ago. And now uh, the last four years, I've owned it outright. Um, been the CEO the last 12 years. So. Um, and then prior to that was like corporate talent acquisition, corporate HR, kind of executive roles. And I started blogging in the space about the same time I came back to the agency world right before that, actually. Um, and it was weird because it was like, again, like 12, 13 years ago, there was a ton of mommy bloggers, but not a lot of professional bloggers. Mm. And in our space, there was like maybe a half a dozen. You had like Lori Rudiman, Chris Dunn, like William Tincup. Um, 
and I got to know those people and they were like, Hey, you should blog. And I'm like, I don't know if I should blog. Like, I don't, you know, writing seemed like a chore. Um, but then I enjoyed it. It was therapy. So I really liked it. That turned into speaking that turned into a book deal. I had my, my second book actually launches in April. Um, and so it's been, it's been good. Like I have two full-time jobs. I have content creation and all that good stuff. And then also, you know, running, you know, an agency, uh, from a recruitment side, which I actually like, I think there's so many like content producers out there. And I think Joel, this is why I think, you know, it's so valuable. What you do is like, you're like, look, I actually do the job <laughs> yeah. and then I can talk about it. There's a ton of people producing content that literally haven't done the job in 10 to 20 years. And they're trying to tell you how to do your job and yet they <laughs> haven't done the job in so long and the job has changed, right? The job yeah. is completely different. Um, and again, not to say that those voices aren't good um, and, and that they can be super entertaining and they can be valuable. But like, I always kind of like question, like when someone's telling me how to run my business and they haven't run a business for 20 years, you're like, calm down, you know? Yeah, that's that. Uh, I mean, I just did a meme about that today on, uh, on the business <laughs> page where it's like people who like, basically like a talking about recruiting who are like into it and then people who are actually in recruitment. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, I, full transparency, I took a break in March really just because of how the market is. And um, it just kind of made sense. I was like, you know, what? I need to, my wife has been on me for years. She's like, you're spending too much time on social media. You need to monetize <laughs> this thing. And I hadn't monetized anything. Like I hadn't really done any sponsorships or anything and really until the tail end of last year. And so I went, you know what, I'll be, I, I'll kind of do what you just, described like maybe yeah. i'll just help teams help individuals with content help them build build brands but then as i started doing more of these sponsored you know kind of deals with like companies like metaview i was like you know what it doesn't and plus the name you can't really be the realist recruiter if you're not doing <laughs> recruiting <laughs> like should have chosen another name but uh um, i used to be the realist recruiter no, I don't. like no I, exactly. again, what you still have like you've still recruited within like a, a recent period of time right it's just like there's too many voices out there yeah they're, they're, the other one that gets me is like in fact i ran into it um just today where somebody reached out to me about helping them with some content right and it was kind of like a coaching kind of person and i have to be honest like this person was like 28 years old, had worked for a job at a big brand for two years. Oh, and yeah. now they're a career coach and like That's a life right. coach. And I'm like, you don't even have enough life and career in you to coach yourself, let alone other people. And yet they're, you know, they're out there doing their thing, man. So it's like, all right, I don't know. I oh, mean, I crazy. wouldn't, I wouldn't hire them, but like, Hey, that's up to me, you know? It's, it's, we live, we live in a funny day and age because I mean, I mean, TikTok is the primary example of this or a great example of this where, um, you know, I mean, I obviously am creating on the, on the platform, but I also consume a decent amount of it because I oh, like yeah. to stitch people and, and, uh, yeah, sometimes it's, it is amazing that you can build a following and not be putting out any good information, but the more of a following you get, the more credible you are, um, no, I it's crazy. I, I say that all the time. When I started blogging, like what happens is like you start and they're like, there's the audience is so tiny, right? You have literally a handful of people that maybe have found your stuff, signed up for your, you know, when new content comes out, blah, blah, blah. And, and so it's a really small number of people. They're clearly fans because they connected with you because they like actually what you're saying. And so everything at that point is like so cool because it's like, oh my gosh, like I got this little pulpit and these people are cheering me on and this is great. And then as it grows, like the haters come 
and oh, they, yeah. they find you and they come just because but like it is it does happen where all of a sudden you go well wait a minute i was just some ordinary recruiter guy writing on the internet like anybody can do that so why do you think i know more but part of it is just the connection of like voice and what you're saying how you're saying um stuff like that and you know, I, I think now, I've, you know, I've, I probably have like 7,000 blog posts out there. And like, oh my I still, God. I still have that. It's like me on TikTok, man. That's a, that is a lot of blog. How long it's does a lot it take of, to write a blog? Oh, that's, see, that's the thing I, I realized. Like I can, you can give me any subject and in 15 minutes, I could give you 500 word blog post, right? Are, are is, you using any kind of like chat GPT now to write? No, I haven't. Um, partly because the tone um, gets completely washed out. Right. And like yeah. that's one of the things. Now, the thing I haven't transitioned yet, and I keep telling myself, like, I'm going to is like again, whether it's TikTok or RG or just short range video to begin with, is like I still think like that. I, I still haven't really decided whether to go full that way because I actually like the process of writing. I think I yeah. like there's a difference between speaking and then writing when you're doing like the content stuff. And and to me, I can get a little bit, I still want to do both because I think I can get a little deeper into my thought process by writing. When you're going out and doing the content like on TikTok or IG or just short range video, it's just kind of live and spontaneous. It's an idea and then it's just you, right? It's un, it's it's like authentic and it's lightly, right? Kind of edited, whatever that might be. But it's it's just a, it's just a different kind of content. Um, I do like the walk and talk videos. I don't think there's enough walk and talk stuff going on. Like I think it's engaging as hell, right? Yeah, look, I, I'm a fan of all of the video, but I, I was more of a fan of writing before I started doing video. And it wasn't yeah. until I did about I did 2000 videos. And of videos. One, of the, one of the things that I realized, though, was I actually became a better speaker because I'm better in video. And I don't do a lot of speaking events. I've only done actually one or two, uh, but I do some other types of public speaking, like I'm in some other communities where I do public speaking. Yeah, I've seen over time, I've gotten better because short form video forces you to speak in sound bites and it forces you to not say um and ah. Because, right, if yeah. this day and age, if in the first four seconds you start going, well, like, um, ah, you don't get to the point, people will scroll on. And I found that it helps, which then helps with writing because Twitter, I think, is a great platform for that or X, whatever it is now. Um, but it's like all kind of works together. And so, uh, but I think with video, like for most people, what trips them up is I think you've got to find your rhythm with it and you got to kind of find your style that works yeah. and it's uncomfortable for a little bit as well, which I don't think it'd be uncomfortable for you because you've got a lot of experience with, with like speaking and, and the content anyway. But for a lot of people who don't, I think when they get on video, it's unnatural and you can, you can tell it. And then they just don't give it enough time to get to that point where it's natural and they found their rhythm and they've connected with their audience. What, you know, um, oh, no, you know, like just on, based on that, the video stuff, like I'm a fan of all of this, like recruiting technology, right. And the video interviewing piece and the video recording piece and all of this stuff has gotten like, really it's, it's kind of table stakes. Now it seems like everybody's using some kind of form of it. The problem I think is that there's still a huge amount of the society that is really uncomfortable on the video stuff. Right. And I think, you don't necessarily put your the best person forward on that. I'm always kind of concerned about like how, like, is there, do we come to a point where potentially, because, it, but it's hard, right? Because I think you want to present everybody the same way, but also I want to present candidates in a way that they're most comfortable. 
And I do think video is powerful. Like I have a great example of, I was, I was actually running TA for a large health system and the CEO was trying to hire a chief nursing officer. And so we went out, right. Got three great candidates. I mean, I would have hired any three and felt 100% confident they would have killed it. We presented the resumes, um, to, to the, to the CEO and he immediately like within 10 minutes said no to all three. <laughs> and so classic. Yeah. Classic. And so what I did, and this is before like higher view and spark, like all these other video, like sources were out there. I actually called all three of them back in. Um, and we, with my, with my actual like iPhone had said, Hey, we want to get some video of you. And we're going to ask you three questions. It was like five to seven minutes and just did that with all three. And then I sent the videos to the CEO and said, I have three more candidates for you. And I said, but I don't have resumes. I just have their videos. <laughs> and again, in my mind, like in hindsight, I'll go, what was I thinking by doing that? Because if he said yes to all of those, he's going to go, oh, by the way, I fucked with you because <laughs> they're the same people you already said no to. By the way, he said yes to all three and hired one of them. And so it, again, you, you realize like the hiring manager side on paper versus seeing somebody and how they interact and how they talk was one of those things. And, I, and honestly, and this guy's retired now, so I don't give a shit, but like he was sexist. He saw all three resumes were females. And his, even though his current chief nursing officer was female, in his mind, I think he had something else and he just kept looking at them. But then when he saw that these were strong, confident women in the video, he immediately goes, oh yeah, yeah, let's get him in here. And ended up hiring one of them, right? And But it was crazy to me on the video side um, because that was early on. But now like, are you comfortable with that? Do you bring yourself across the right way? I don't know. I mean, I think the younger population, whether you're millennial, Gen Z, is way more comfortable because Snap, right? Everyone grew up in Snap, that world. And they're just constantly video, taking pictures of themselves, IG, like just TikTok, all the short range video stuff. So, you know, maybe it's a, it's the concern is a dying concern longer term, but it's it's one that's out there. Yeah, it's funny. I, I might even do a poll on this because I know someone had approached me a while back about like a, a two-way video kind of platform where um, hiring managers had to do video as well. And my big thing was, have you ever worked with a hiring manager before? They don't like to put themselves out there. I don't know if you're going to get them to do a video. Uh, but that it was then the other side was I've seen a lot of posts on LinkedIn where people are not a fan of the one-way video yeah. Kind of, kind of thing. So if you really want to, if you really want to screw the hiring manager, go with your, your phone and go to a hiring manager and say, Hey, we're going to put, you know, like during like the intake call or in, you know meeting, whatever that you do and say, Hey, we're going to actually embed a video of you and just real quick, uh, tell us why they should come work for you. And like the people, they just freeze. I, well, I, oh, I didn't know we were going to do this. Like, <laughs> dude, like, calm down. Just why would someone want to come work for you? What is it about you, right? That you're a great leader, that you develop them, that you care, whatever. I don't care what you say. Just say it. Because it, having that video embedded in, in that job description is going to get 4x the number of applies. I know. No, and, and which I think, I think it's, you know, I, I think it's great. I don't, I actually, I don't understand as an agency recruiter, I've never worked internally. I am always really confused because I'm naturally, you know, like, let's just try outside of the box things. Like, let's yeah. try and get people's attention, let's try and stand out. And I'm like, I talk to agencies and train agencies on content. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, you should talk about your open jobs and do something creative with it. And they're like, well, can't, can't say who the client is, can't mention the client. 
And then I'm like, and I took the internal teams. I'm like, guys, you have like, you don't have like the fear of not getting commission. You can, you can like tell a story. You can get yeah. involved. You can have like fun with it. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Just, just, we'll just post it on it on indeed and see what happens. You know, I, I get, I would do, I get to work with a lot of enterprise level like teams and I understand the risk factor. Right. Um, and that's usually what happens is you get the head of HR, you get the head of talent and it, they're also risk adverse because yeah. the brands are important. Right. I get that. Yeah, yeah. The, fr the funny thing is, is like part of my, like what I do is like, I actually bring in like the senior leadership team. So I get the CEO, the CEO, the head of like, you know, legal, they're the ones that are like, Oh yeah, we got to do this. Why aren't we doing this? <laughs> And then they're like going, well, we didn't think you would let us do it. And you're like, you never asked. You never came and showed us what this looks like and what, why, right? You never and, gave and us that's the it, right? story. There's, there's not example. I think a lot of times it's just not examples. And I yeah. think a lot of the brands that their marketing, it's like Apple, Google, you know, these huge companies, Amazon, their, their product marketing is so good and they're so well known as brands. They don't really need to have this like recruitment marketing creative function as much because it's like everyone, you know, everyone knows the brand. They like the brand yeah. or they're already invested. And, and so there's like this middle ground for the brands which aren't as well known. And so there's not always like an example of like, oh, this is what you do. And then I also think everybody's risk averse. Nobody wants to make a bad hire. Nobody wants to look stupid. And in corporate, people really don't want to do things that make them stand out and then it doesn't work. And, yeah. and like, you know, like Tony, what were you doing on LinkedIn the other day? And like, I was trying to get creative. And, and so I think people are actually really afraid of stepping out. And so then we default back to the, the classic, like we're just going to post a job or we'll maybe get a little bit more, you know, aggressive and not aggressive, but we'll get a little bit more outbound and we're, we're trying to reach out to people and we'll do some active sourcing yeah, I like there is so much room for just creativity, innovation. Um, but then to your point, a lot of times when I do see people on videos, I think that like people's behavior does totally change. And I think that's the kind of the other hump of it too, where, you know, it's like people start getting really official and they're like, start talking, you know, like we're amazing, passionate and great people. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> yourself. Like, I don't know. What, one of the things I really, I mean, I'm the, the whole AI side of this, which attracts me is imagine you and I having this screening conversation, right. For like 20 minutes. And then what you want to do is I don't want to send a 20 minute conversation to a manager. They're never going to look at it. What if AI could give us a 90 sex highlight, like a 90 second highlight reel and then just go, right? That's actually produced. Like we like that kind of stuff is gonna happen. In the next really 24 months, we're gonna see products come out where you're gonna go, hey, we can have this one-on-one -on -one Zoom conversation, Teams conversation, whatever. It's gonna boil it down to a 90 second or a three minute highlight reel. And you're going to jam that to a hiring manager who's no longer going to look at resumes. They're just going to look at this highlight reel and they're going to hire off commercials, right? It's mm. going to be like marketing 101, the best way we know how. Um, and I think that's going to be so much better for agency. I think it's going to be better for internal. I think it's going to be better for everybody because right now, looking at a piece of paper or looking at stuff or looking at like, Oh, Hey, we did a full interview. Here's the, you know, 30 minutes of which they never will look at. Um, I think we have to find a better way to kind of get through all that and sort. And so I'm excited about some of that stuff. I love it. I love it. And I feel like, 
this is why I was excited for this episode because there's, there's plenty to, to talk about here. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, you know, we were talking before before the show. We had I haven't seen this uh, the update on the jobs market, which I know is terrible because uh, I think really it was just released like, today. No. Yeah, yeah, that's still shame on me for not knowing that. But when he <laughs> when he gives a rundown, and because because I've got some thoughts on this as well, and I'm always yeah. curious to I'm I'm curious to hear from you because you you're you know you know a lot about like even the data that's involved. But whenever I hear the jobs report and open jobs, I'm always curious at how many number one what industries are these jobs open in, and then number for two, sure. um, like how many of these jobs do you think are real jobs. I saw a post today on LinkedIn that said there's a lot of fake jobs, a lot of this pipelining going on. <laughs> so I'm just curious to get your take and like, just, yeah. I, what, what are your thoughts on, on the numbers right now? Oh, those fake jobs. Um, <laughs> so the, the number today was 8.7, which is a, is like a 600,000 job drop from last month and this month, which caused a little bit of panic, right? Like, Oh my gosh, it's here. Right. See like what's going on. But like what we do realize, right. Is that, you have a, you have some end of year stuff where people are cleaning up, you know? So like, Hey, December 31st is coming. I got to lower my time to fill. So I'm going to close a bunch of jobs, <laughs> uh, open up some new ones, um, and manipulate the number. But like, I think there, and also it's just kind of like, Hey, we had some jobs open, budgets are closed, scrap those close, blah, blah, blah. Like we see this every kind of end of year where you see the dip kind of happen. But I think just take the number 8.7 million. And you go back 25 years on average, month after month. Now we've come from what 10, 11 million, all the way down to 8.7. So we see this drop, and we start to freak out. The reality is, the average over 25 years per month is around five and a half to six and a half million. So 8.7 million is statistically still a gigantic number of open jobs. Now, are those jobs all in high-paying white-collar jobs? Nope, we know, right? Manufacturing, hospitality, service. Like, we know the industries that are hot right now, and we know the ones that are, are kind of quieted down. But I think, it, you know, we, you and I talked, it rolled with this kind of this Spotify layoff. A wrapped. It, wrapped it, is it, the right it, way to put it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got wrapped um, in, a, in a different way. Um but people are like going, see, like it just like they kind of like do all this stuff where they go, see, it's real, this is happening. And you want to go Spotify, like every other technology company that was living on VC money for the last five, eight years, and literally on VC money that was at a, a, a 0. 0.0 interest rate, <laughs> that no longer is there. So they know that this free funnel of money is not coming in. And what's happened to all these tech companies? now actually have to run a real business without free money. Like, wait a minute. We actually have to run a profit. We actually have to make Which money. Which is crazy. I just, I think that is just insane, by the way. But that's a whole it, thing. And, and people like, they, they hate, um, they love to hate on Elon and X and what he did when he took over Twitter and like laid off 80% of the team. But the reality was, is he actually set a precedent. He set a precedent to come in and say, hey, we're no longer going to run at a negative, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to lose money on purpose because that's really what VC does is they come in, Hey, here's a hundred million dollars over the next 12 months. You have to burn through a hundred million. And so we saw this, we see this at every tech company, right? I interviewed um, a Facebook recruiter this year who was making $180,000 who was responsible for eight hires a year and oh, not even like super high hires. I'm talking like, just basic engineers, basic, like, you know, developers, like it was nothing special. Yeah. It wasn't like executive 
and, and they they admitted that they maybe worked five to eight hours a week for 180 mm. grand and they got laid off and they, they were shocked by that right and you're like you shouldn't be shocked at all like one is like this is exactly what's wrong with this free money vc kind of society where you got to burn through cash and it's not about making profit it's about growth 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 and then somehow magically when you get big enough you'll make money like the world just doesn't work like that you actually have to spend less than you bring in and show this margin right and so we see all this but again on the job side 8.7 still a giant number we have demographics that are working against us in the US. We have, we're not making enough humans. <laughs> we're losing more humans every year than we're actually, you know, like producing. Um, and our immigration sucks. I mean, in a really bad way. Like we just, we, we have no concept of a filter on immigration that says like, oh, hey, we need more engineers. Oh, oh hey, we need more service people. Or, oh, hey, mm. we need to do this. And how do we systematically figure out how to turn the spigots on for when we need some immigration stuff, right? It's like, oh, hey, by the way, we need a bunch of people to work in hospitality. Let's turn that spigot on, turn it off when we need to. We just don't do that. And so we have this. Well, how, mismatch, how do you think like right? remote work factors into that? Like, are you, because I would think with like remote work, you know, you can obviously have then engineers in South America or, or Asia oh, working yeah. on your team. Yeah. Does that, how does that impact things? Um, I mean, it's good. I think it should have an impact because if, I mean, again, if you're a smart developer shop and you go, oh my gosh, we can go over to EMEA or we can go into Europe and we can get as good a, you know, skilled talent cheaper, then why don't we do that? And let's do that. Again, you start to run into a little bit of a cultural issue, right? Where you go, well, wait a minute. I have an engineer here in the States that's good making 180,000 or whatever, 200,000. They're killing it. And then I have an engineer in the Ukraine who are paying 60,000 a year that's doing the exact level of work. Is that fair from a pay equity standpoint? Like this person, by the way, the $60,000 person loves the job, wants the job. They're not complaining. But again, you have a moral obligation, right? To go, is this is this what we should be doing? I don't know. But if I paid that person two hundred thousand in Ukraine, they're now the mayor of Ukraine, right? Like it's just <laughs> one of those crazy things. Like you just so it's like it's a it's such a dilemma for us. And yeah. I think that's why a lot of these companies, especially the like brand relative companies that are really that that you know, their brand is important to them, they kind of stay away from that. And that you know, even though they might have developer shops overseas and stuff like that, they they'll tend to open up an entire like division over there and keep it over there versus kind of like having this comparison. I don't know. It's it is tough. I, I when we talk about remote work overall in the U.S., we start to see. I think, and it's not a re, it's not because of the call back to work. It's just the reality is that there's only a certain percentage of jobs that can actually work remotely in the U.S. And there's also just a certain number of people that actually want to work remote. We tend to think like everybody wants to work remote. And there was a great study. It was like, I think 20,000 new college grads last year were, were interviewed or, or surveyed. And they said, what's your preference of work? And 98% of them said they wanted an in-office experience. Yeah. Which, I mean, it makes sense, right? Because it's like you get your social it's you're learning. How you meet, how you you meet tried, your significant others, your network, everything is about that, right? And it's like, have you ever tried to ask for help through Slack? Like, that's the worst. That is the worst. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, it's like, you know, I think I'm in that kind of ideal stage of life where I go, okay, I got young kids. Um, I, 
you know, I'm, I'm in a place where there's not like a lot of offices. So I'd have to, I'd For automatically sure. have a long commute. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm comfortable enough in my job where it's like, I know what I'm doing and I'm an IC, right? So, I, so even owning my own business, I don't have a huge team. It's just me. Yeah. And so if that's you, then it's the ideal, that's the ideal play. And then it's like, you have this other yeah. set where it's like, okay, everyone's out of the house. And now it kind of goes back to, you know, when you're a college grad and you're like, oh, I, I would need some interaction with people. I want to meet people. And, and so I, but I think the loudest voice, remote work, the loudest voice out there. I do think the remote work voice is a failure of HR because I think a lot of if it, a lot of that is driven by HR professionals that actually want to work remote because they're experienced in their job. They know the job. They have their, they already have their professional like network. They already have their friends, family, married children, all this stuff. And for them, it's a, it's an ideal situation. I can yeah. go home. I can work. I don't have to commute. Everything works for them because their career is solidified. But because they want to work that way, they then try to push that everybody wants to work that way. And, and, it, and it's, just, it's just not the case. Now, the other side of this that we just completely ignore is awesome. Joel, you want to work at home. That's amazing. Good for you. Can you actually perform at home? Is that where you perform the best? Or maybe you perform better in hybrid or maybe you perform better in-house. Like I run a recruiting company. I have recruiters that work remotely and they actually perform, and I know their baseline, they perform better working remotely than they did in office. I have recruiters that went remote and failed miserably and then came back into the office and actually came back to baseline, right? And so we have, so it's about really helping people succeed. And even though I had some people like, well, Tim, I love working at home. <laughs> you're like, yeah, but. <laughs> but you're not working at home. You're, doing good. <laughs> you're, you're failing at home, right? Exactly. Which is, so, which is huge, right? And nobody, yeah. no, nobody does really talk about that. Where it's like it, it isn't a one size fits all, but it's kind of become a one size fits all because it's like a lot of companies they want to have a policy. And again, it's like companies love policies. Like yes, you know, yeah. Gonna, that's why I say it's another HR failure, right? Where I think your 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 go to policy should be: we are going to allow you to work in the location and environment that you produce the best work. Hmm. And then if somebody wants to go home and wants to work remotely. Prove it. Just prove it. Like yeah. show us that you're amazing. And then we can let you work wherever. Like I tell my team all the time, I don't give a shit where you work. If you produce, I don't care if you're on an island in the Caribbean. I will pay for you to fly to that island if you produce more. <laughs> like we will make sure that happens to me, right? Look, it, and, it and, and, and that's a great and I think then it answers the question around, all right, you know, I'm I'm a nurse and I want to work at home. All right, well. That did, that's well, not how the job works. Let's do yeah. that. We'll send the patients to your house and you can do it. Hey, I work construction and I want to work from home. Okay. Good luck with just good luck with that. Although, but there are construction jobs like estimators, for example, that can do the job remotely because a lot of their job is just on, on a computer, right? In an office. Yeah. So I, for me, the, my, where I've landed is it is really an individual thing. And I think companies, you just got to cater to, what the preference and the results and get the, get the balance between the two. And I, For I'm sure. not sure why that, why it has become such a confusing thing. I love I, the topic cause you can get good yeah. views on social media. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, and I, I like, I enjoy remote work, but I just tell people like Cindy just commented yeah. and uh, Cindy just said, Oh, Cindy just said, uh, that's me. So right. I'm more successful in the office, too many distractions at home. And what For that sure. is, is self-awareness and going, Hey, look, I actually get better results at it's home. It's Isn't all that about that. Yeah. I'm the same. Like I, I'm a guy that could work at home. In fact, I, my team works hybrid and I had to force myself 
to go home once a week just so the team felt comfortable. Cause I didn't want, I didn't want to be that leader that was like, I'm always in the office and they go, Oh, we should be in the office. And I'm like, no, I actually just like being in the office and perform better. Cause I don't have the distraction of dogs and kids and the UPS guy. And like just the craziness of being at home, I could concentrate and get way more done in the office. But like, again, to show your team that it's okay to do that for them. Like you just have to go home. Right. And like, literally I, like I struggle like there's so many times, like all of a sudden I'll be like, I'm like, oh crap, it's three weeks in a row. I haven't worked at home. I got to go. I got to work at home today. You know, like people are like, you're insane. I'm like, no, I just get more done in the office. Um, I'm, you know, I think I'm getting to that point, by the way, I've got two kids <laughs> who are under four and they starting to run around and mess my office. Problem now is, is starting the business. I'm like, I've got to yes. make it make sense financially. Right. And so yeah. being bootstrapped, it's, it's ideal to be at home. Um, but there is part of it where it's just like, as long as the office is close to my house and I'm okay with it, but I can't do the hybrid. I've tried hybrid and I'm a routines person and I yeah. like things yeah. set up. A lot of people like, like that. I like, I did hybrid and it was like, it literally take me like three hours to settle into the new environment. And I remember doing it every other day at a point and it was like, yeah. it was too stressful for me. So I was like, okay, let's block it into like three days or a week. Um, but I'm not a huge fan of that where some people are like, I love hybrid. It's the best of both worlds. And I'm like, I don't want two worlds. I just want one. I want the zone. So Yeah. Well, you know, the, that college survey that said 80, 98% of one in-office experience, they weren't saying that they wanted to be in office 100% of the time. What they said was like, we want to be treated like adults. We, we want to, like, if I have Not a dentist, if I have a, if I have a dentist appointment at 9am, why would I commute in 30 minutes or 40 minutes just to turn around and, you know, and have to commute back and forth like that. I'll just, I'll stay at home. I'll get some email done. I'll go to the dentist and I'll come in after or whatever that might be. Like, just treat us like we're adults. Now you had mentioned like, why is this such a big argument between remote and non-remote and blah, blah, blah. And it's because most organizations suck at developing really good predict or not predictors, but measures of performance for each position in the company. They, they just don't do it. So you don't know if someone's performing in a great example, because we're all in recruiting, is like time to fill, right? We're like, oh, well, they're meeting their time to fill goal. They must be doing great. 90% of the organizations I'll go into and, I'll, and the CEO will say, Tim, we're failing at recruiting. And then I'll go to the head of recruiting and go, so what do you, what do you measure? Time to fill. How many times in the last five years have you hit your time to fill goal? All five. So you're killing it. You guys are doing great. You're hitting all your goals. And they're like, they look at you because they realize, crap, like we're not actually, we just kind of make, we just kind of made this shit up, right? We, we had the time to fill means nothing to like the success of recruiting. And like, it's one of those things where like, it's so crazy to me that it's, it, that's, but that's just one small example of every single like role that we have in a company, which could be thousands in some cases, right? And so it's like, how do you really understand how somebody's being successful or not? And then, then you have to be able to measure, are they more successful in one environment over another? And we just, we're terrible at that. We've been, historically, we've been terrible at that. That's not like a COVID thing. For centuries, we've sucked at measuring the performance of people. It's because it's a lot of work. And, and a, I think, and I exactly, think, I think, exactly. Because I, I know um, a friend of mine, he started a performance kind of management platform. And I think one of the hardest parts about selling the platform was the amount of work it does to actually measure where people are at and then, and then figure out, well, what does 
success look like and what are those metrics and then document it all and then track it yeah. and then and then and then it takes time to see the results because if you just start tracking it and you're not going to get an roi and of course what gets a quicker roi is just filling the role and so it's like recruiting and filling the role it's easy yep we did it we can move on and then we've done our job we can we can move on and i, I think it's it's the same with a lot it's the same with when i'm selling content marketing yeah, well, when am I going to get results for it? If I post it twice this week, surely I'm going to be famous on the internet. And you're like, try like 10 years. <laughs> no, try, try a, a longer time. And I think we're programmed though. It's just like quick results, quick results and recruiting. Yeah. It's like a sales function. It feels like where it's like, yeah. what are the results this week? What were the results you know, next week? And not thinking longer term than that. Um, cur curious. Uh, I kind of going back. I know we're kind of jumping around here, but sure. the job market's, huge, right? We got all these jobs. Why is yeah. it then that like, cause I, I run TikTok lives and I know there's nuances with people's resumes and all this type of thing, but why are so many people having such a tough time in a job market? Like where, why is that? If it's, if there are a lot of jobs out there, why would you say that is? I, I mean, I, I, I've never been one that thought like the, how the majority of people search for jobs and like I get, so, you know, like you get this, I'm sure as well. Like when you, when you grow up in recruiting and you're a recruiter, family, friends, everybody's getting referred to, right? It's like, oh, talk to Tim. He'll get you a job, you know? The worst. And the reality is, is every single time, and I have three sons who are in the market, right? I mean, they're they're working, but like they're, they've, they're gone, through, they've, the gone, through, they've gone through the search, just job search thing. And I told them what I would tell anybody, which is don't, like you can go to Indeed and you can go to the job boards and LinkedIn and find where the job is, right? Don't apply to that job do some research in that company, find out who actually is hiring that position or potentially would be hiring that position, right? Connect with them, send them your resume directly. Hiring managers love nothing more than to walk down to a recruiter's office or send a recruiter a resume in their email and say, Hey, I found a person for mm. my job. Like I, I'm the hero, right? <laughs> they love that more than anything. And most jobs are gotten through network, right? So it's like, and so again, like what I would do and what I tell people all the time is to say, hey, here's how I can help you find a job. I have this giant network. I can introduce you to this network. And then if, if there's a company or a person that you want me to introduce to you personally, I can do that. And almost always those people will get hired because of that, right? This interaction and this introduction. It's not about using an AI tool to apply to 500 jobs a day in one minute kind of thing, right? That rarely does that happen when you get your job. It's all about... To spending the work to connect with people and companies and, and, under, and then say, hey, here's why I want to come work for you. Here's why I want to come work for your company. Because that's where the hiring manager is going to go, yes, right? That's the person I want to hire. Is this person, I feel like there's this connection where this happens. Now, we, you know, we have this, like over the last, I think, eight to 10 years, we have this issue with, like, I wouldn't say issue, it's, it's a dilemma of DE&I when we say, well, wait a minute, we want to make sure we're inclusive in hiring. Totally agree with that. But we, we think then blinding resumes and doing all this stuff so that the hiring manager doesn't know who they are is going to change. And I always say, look, if you have a hiring manager that's going to have bias, at some point it's going to show up regardless. Whether you right. didn't, whether you like blinded the resume or whatever, as soon as that person shows up for an interview, they're going to go, oh, yeah, okay. Um, they'll go through the steps, but again, they're just going to self-select out, right? So it's like one of those kind of issues that, that plays in. But I just think we, 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 
there's too many people out there that search for jobs in the wrong way, especially even in our industry, like the recruiters that are out of jobs. The other thing is you have a lot of recruiters that were like, this is, it's an inside joke that I have with a bunch of like recruiting leaders that I know, <laughs> which is the world is littered with nine to 15 month recruiters that failed, but it takes a company nine to 15 months before they realize a recruiter sucks. And so what happens is if you're, if you're smart and you're savvy, you'll, you'll be, Oh, I got a job at this company. Oh. And then I got, Oh, like the writing's on the wall. I'm, I'm not producing, but I jumped. Now I have a job at Facebook. Oh, uh, uh, writing's on the wall. Bam. I'm going to jump and get a job at Microsoft. And all of a sudden you see these people that have like this, this like, Oh my gosh, they worked at Facebook and then Microsoft and then Apple. And Oh my gosh, they must be amazing. No, they're awful. They're terrible. They don't well, I mean, know you just to- you just said like there's some you know you're talking to a Facebook recruiter that's responsible yeah. for eight hires and you think oh yeah. it's Facebook I mean, I mean it takes you ten minutes of talking to them to realize how bad they are at recruiting but yet when you take a look at the resume and the brands you think well all these companies can't be wrong yeah they mm-hmm. can't it's because no one really well gets because it. The, and the the thought is then one big company goes oh wow we can get a Microsoft recruiter they're a big competitor. Yeah, Hello. they're getting so people, yeah. right? And it's like, ah, okay, we're just going through the cycle. And then if you're really a good sale in, in like that sales cycle, maybe you get a step up and you, now you're a senior recruiter. So now you, you've got a good trajectory on the resume as well. Uh, exactly, yeah. I, I, I think it's funny because I, I will still tell people like I don't necessarily see the harm in applying to a job. I think, yeah. it's, you know, you got to apply to the right jobs, right? Because I know, I know for a fact like, you can get a job by applying, but it's, and it's the same with sales. It's like, I would never tell someone don't cold call because you can still reach someone on a cold call. But I think everything now, nowadays, it's just, everything is multi-pronged. Like you have to try different strategies. Yeah. So go to a networking event, join a discord channel within yes. your industry, make connections. And it's like, is, is network going to a networking event going to align you the job that day? Probably not. Neither is applying for a job necessarily. Because uh, the ratios right now, I've, I've got a friend, you know, I actually work with a company that's one of those auto apply tools. I like the algorithm, I like how they have it set up. His data shows that it takes 99 applications for them to get one callback. And that their, their algorithm is like, it's not lazy apply where it's just applying in, to like hundreds and thousands of places. It's basing it like on a high probability that they're qualified yeah. for the job and it's setting parameters and they get to choose what jobs they apply for. It just, they don't have to go through the actual process. But he said one, so I said one in 99 chance. And when I do TikTok lives, I hear a similar thing. I've applied to 300 jobs and I got three callbacks. I tell people like spend the time doing it. But then like you said, foster the relationships, get out there, make those connections. Think about like how, network. how corporate recruiters are also measured, right? It's measures of success. And I, you know, I like to, you know, bash on time to fill because I think it's worthless, but there's, there's some actually really good shops out there that will say, Hey, we're actually going to measure how many people you actually bring in, you source yourself, right? So now if I'm looking for a job and I'm an engineer, do I apply to the job or do I send my resume directly to that recruiter who then can claim they recruited me, they sourced me, I'm an outside talent to them. I didn't apply to the job. I wasn't an incoming person. I was an outbound recruited person. 
because in their mind, then they're like they're, the recruiting leader is going to go, well, look at Tim over there. Tim's out recruiting mm-hmm. his butt off. Look at, he brought in five engineers. So again, we have to think of the psychology of the entire corporate process of how we measure success as well. And so a lot of times, again, I find people have great success by not applying and sending to the hiring manager, sending to a recruiter. And then when, when they ask you to apply, that's a different scenario, right? Because I said, hey, right. great, you got your resume. I'm going to send you the link. Can you apply to this job so we can get you in the process? Awesome. I'll do whatever you want at that point, right? Um, but like we have to kind of think through sometimes the psychology of recruiting on the corporate side and why people do what they do. And, and, and again, we still, you, I mean, like you said, like you hear this on the LinkedIn Live stuff, like we hear nonstop that most corporate talent acquisition teams are still a black hole. You apply and you hear nothing. It's still a common thing which is so frustrating, I think, for us in in the industry of like, why is that? But why it is, is because you still have these really, really high numbers of applies from people that are like, they're not remotely, like they couldn't do the job, you know, even if you taught them how to do the job, right? Like there's like, like, hey, this is a, a front end developer, blah, blah, blah. And the person's like, well, I've never worked in technology, uh, but I'm a restaurant um, cook. And I, and I'm so interested in your working for you. Uh, what? Like, why did you apply to this job? Right. But like, we're supposed to then we're supposed to re- reply to everything. We don't have the capacity to do that. Again, AI is going to take care of a lot of this for us, which I'm, 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 I'm you know, think is I'm, I'm hopeful. I don't think it's going to take, it'll take recruiter jobs away from a capacity standpoint of saying, Hey, if you're a recruiter who just wants to wait for somebody to apply to a job and then work them through the process, that job is gone, right? Like AI will do that 24, seven, 365 better and faster than you can. But if you're a recruiter who loves to actually have an interaction with somebody, talk them into why they should come work for your company, actually go out and search and find talent, find that who's actually the best talent in the market. To me, that's the job that will be around forever. Um, that we see, like, I'm in it. I'm in a, like, at Sherm Talent this year, I'm keynoting, and one of the what we're doing is a survey right now with CEOs. Because what you will hear from every CEO is some version of this statement: "We only hire the top talent." If you ask any CEO that question, they will say, "Of course, yeah, we only." But in reality, that's really funny. They don't even come close to hiring the top talent, right? They hire the best of the talent that applied to the job when you had the job open which actually yeah. might be- That you can afford, that you can afford. You can afford that once your crappy environment, your crappy benefits, your crappy location, your crappy manager, blah, blah, blah. But it, it actually might be the worst talent in the market that you hired, but you're saying we only hire the top talent. And when I have that conversation with the CEO, they go, fuck, why hasn't anybody in talent acquisition ever told us this? It's because you don't give them the resources and capacity to go out and actually find you the best talent. Because finding the best talent is a lot of heavy lifting and a lot of work. You actually have to really get your hands dirty. And you say, hey, you can, you can handle 50 or 75 recs as an internal recruiter. And you think that they're actually going to recruit. They don't recruit at all. They just process. <laughs> that's, you know, and well, you, it's, that's why it's, it's like internal, right? That's what it is. It's more of like, it's a lot of internal processes. It's a lot of, I mean, it's all process. You have to have a standard building a standardized process and like figuring out what's going to be effective. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah. And that's, it's, it's, it's a different, it's a different type of role, but I think even now with like, even with AI, like there's a whole different, how do you stand out? How do you creatively stand out? How do you reach out to people? How do you, do you understand motivations? 
Do you, how are you marketing yourself? How are you getting creative? Um, what, what advice do you have like for recruiters that are looking yeah. to like, how do you stay on top of your game? Cause obviously like you're, you're Great creating question. the content, but like, you yeah. know, what's going on in the market. So like how crucial is that for like up and coming recruiters to not just be the process or to take like doing things, how they've always done. Like what, what advice do you have for like recruiters to just grow in the game? I, I think you have to get, you have to be active in the industry. It's, it's the one question I will ask recruiters when we interview for new recruiters, right? Especially those that have experience because they'll come in, they'll say, oh my gosh, I love recruiting. Recruiting's my life, you know? And then I'll go, that's amazing. Tell me, what do you do to develop yourself in recruiting? And 90% of them, Joel, will come back and go, well, I, I mean, I, I come to work every day. Like I, I, you know, like I'm recruiting, I've been recruiting for 10 years. Cool. What do you do to develop yourself in recruiting? What organizations, who do you follow? What podcasts do you listen to? What books have you read? Like, and they can't tell you one thing that they've done. All they do is show up to their job and they think doing their job makes them great. And you're thinking, no, like you don't have to have a podcast. You don't have to write a book. You don't, but you can get involved. You can go to local meetups. You can go, you know, you can like just read stuff and you could share an article like, oh my gosh, like I was on HR executive or I was on ERE or I was on recruiting daily or I was on whatever. Like there's a million of them out there. They could go. And this is how I started on the tech side, which is, you know, I've decided to develop myself around recruiting technology and so once a month, I will call a recruiting technology company and ask for a demo. And I'm, gonna, and I'm just going to do that every single month because I want to know more about the landscape and what's out there and blah, blah, blah. By the way, no recruiting technology company will ever turn down a demo. They might give you like a new person that sucks at it, whatever. It doesn't matter. They want demos, right? They know demos lead to sales. They know, you know, they'd be great at it. You have to do a lot of demos in... Like I tell people all the time, I see more recruiting technology than anybody else in our space. I probably do 150 demos a year because I learn so much because it's not about the technology. It's about how are their clients? What are their clients doing? You learn so many cool things that people are doing that are innovative that you go, well, crap, I don't even need your technology to do that. Like I, I could be amazing at that. But that's something I decided to say, hey, I want to develop myself in that. And it's like Gladwell's 10,000 hours, right? You do enough of it and you become an expert. But so often people think they just show up and do their job 40 hours, 50 hours a week. And that's enough. And you're like, that's not enough to be great, to be good, right? That's a, To me, in my mind, that's on a scale of one to five, you're a three. Thank you. You, can't, you did the job. Thank you so much. Come back tomorrow and do the job some more. I wish everybody would be a three and do their job. But don't show up and do your job and tell me you're a four or a five. You're not. If you only do your job, you're a three. And people hate to hear that. I mean, it's one of the, it's almost like it's like I just like I said a derogatory like statement to them, right? <laughs> like I well, call it's like, them it's a like again though too, because it's just like not everybody you can't that where, where do the B and C players go? No one ever talks about the B and C players, but the B and C players are going somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and there's like, a, it's okay to be like that. But yeah, like to your point, if you're then just like, oh, I'm amazing at what I do, but you're not. It's, uh, but that's our culture as well, right? We don't want to necessarily tell people it's hard. It's, I think it's hard to have difficult conversations like that or real conversations because, you know, you don't want to hurt people's feelings or people don't like to hurt people's feelings. One of my favorite things to do is to get in a big, like, speaking audience. <laughs> 
and have like 500 people and I'll say, and I'll, I'll lay this out saying, Hey, one to five, we're going to rate your performance right now. Self-rating. Self-rating. And we're going to do it by raising your hand. Number one is you're walking dead. You should be fired immediately. Number five is you're one of the top employees in the company. You're a rock star. And then I'll go raise your hand. If you're a three, less than one or 2% of people raise their hands. That's how lacking of self insight we have because in any bell curve, 80% of the people in the room should have raised their hand. And you're not like, well, wait a minute, Tim, maybe you just had a room of all fours and fives. They're all rock stars. No, they're not. <laughs> it's just not possible statistically. Right. And when you have all of a sudden, like it hits them and they're like, fuck, like this is our entire company. Everybody thinks they're fours and fives when the reality they're all threes, but we've let them believe that they're fours and fives because we haven't told them if you want to be a four or if you want to be a five, here's what you have to do beyond your normal job, you know? Yeah. And look, that's, that's why I, a lot of recruiters now who are you know even on the market, big thing I'm saying is a big lesson I got was set up an LLC, start doing contract work, start. Yeah start kind of hustling and figuring out where you need it. And I think we're going to continue to see, I don't think the recruiting market is going to heat up in a month um, next year. I don't think there's just going to be a magic switch and suddenly like we, we need recruits because a lot more companies are thinking about how do we use AI? How do we use these tools? How do we run with a leaner team? Yep. So as a recruiter, if you want to have that, that career protection, start looking at what are the other areas that I can exceed in, which, AI is going to have a tough time with, like we were talking about earlier. Are you using chat GPT to write content? No, because it's kind of got a funny voice. There's a lack, there's a lack there. So get good with this content. What about doing video? Like be the expert in video, be the expert in the up and coming tech, like be the ATS expert. There's a lot of different areas that you can really claim outside of just hiring. And I think um, that seems to be, because I was recruiting recruiters for, I recruited recruiters for about a year in 2021. It was a nightmare because recruiters were obviously in, in really high demand. Um, but that was always like, you know, I, m- I remember like, just how do you creatively source? And even that question is like, Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Like well, recruiter. yeah <laughs> like, like, yeah. Hire manager like, doesn't want to hear that. Okay. But, yeah. No, no, it's, it's so true. I do think like, like, again, like if you're a recruiter out of work, there's so many things you can do to position yourself to be better than the other people that are interviewing. Like you said of like, Hey, you know what? Um, I was out of work and it's something that I'm passionate about is like, whether it's my church, my school, my whatever, I decided to be a fractional recruiter for them and help them. Schools are begging for teachers right now. And I said, Hey, I have a certain set of skills. I'm, I'm Liam Neeson and taken. I have a certain set of skills (laughs) that I can provide. And, and I saw, I, so I started doing that like for 10 or 15 or 20 hours a week, right. That I'm, I'm helping them track down people and call and interview or whatever. Do you know what that sounds like to a hiring manager versus a person that goes, yeah, I lost my job three months ago, six months ago, and I've just been looking for a job. Okay, cool. Like you have skills, like use them to help and benefit society or whatever. I love that. Before when we lost our jobs, like think about like 10 years ago, if you lost your job, you were a consultant on LinkedIn. You became a consultant immediately. I don't right? know if that's changed. <laughs> well, no, well, no, the new one I love is now I'm a fractional. I'm a fractional recruiter. I'm a fractional CMO. I'm a yeah. fractional CFO. And you're like, you're out of work, motherfucker. <laughs> well, I, look, and I don't think, I, look, I think having, saying fractional and, and doing these things can, 
can be helpful and it can, you know, you can generate some income. Oh, no, I agree. Uh, no, I think it's, I think it's brilliant marketing, by the way. I just laugh is that it's, it's replaced the consultant type type of thing. Right. I look, I, I like the, I, I, I think about like myself in this a lot. All right. It's just because I, I, mean, I didn't lose my job, but I parted ways yeah. and said, okay, I'm in sales right now. And obviously the market for just recruitment and what we're focusing on isn't where it needs to be. I need to monetize my brand. Um, and I think one of the things that I was really, really lucky, I guess, to get exposed to was just different billing models for recruitment. So I think a lot of recruiters are stuck in this idea of like, it's got to be, I got to use 25% contingency fee, or I've got to do a retained model of 33, 33, 33. And I'm like, guys, there's literally a million ways that you can package what you do and creatively market it. And I think like the frac fractional is one way, but, um, I think there's a lot of different ways and a lot of different ways that you can sell what you do. I think there's room for employer branding. I think there's room for content creation. And, um, but it's, it's, again, it's like people just get stuck in this box of like, well, it's either I'm an agency contingency recruiter that's charging 25% or I'm in house. And those are the only two options. I'm like, guys, there are a million different ways that you can, you can do things. What about career code? I mean, you can, so another one, another one, I just go, there's so many people, like you said, who will refer over and say, yeah, Tim's really great with like knowing how to get, get you a job, package that up into something yeah. and just, yeah. but I've noticed recruiters, we don't like value our time. It's this crazy thing where like, yeah. I tell Give people, it away. That they're like, how much do you charge to meet with a job seeker? I'm like, I'm like a couple hundred dollars an hour. And they're like, oh my God. And I'm like, mm -hmm. Yeah, because I value that. I mean, it's, I'm going to save them two weeks of them toiling away on LinkedIn all day, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, and it's like I, again, it's like I'm not. I, it's kind of a corny thing, but I just think, okay, the reason I'm charging this much isn't because I actually think the hours are actually worth that, but I think like the seven, eight thousand hours I put into whatever it is that I'm doing, and all the mistakes I've made, and all of the knowledge I picked up is worth that amount. And in fact, it's probably a discount if you're going to pick up that knowledge, but it's like, and then I think again, then in, when you're in the business, I asked, I asked recruiters this, I asked anybody, any job seekers, what's the value you bring to businesses? And sometimes people are like, uh, what do you mean? I, uh, I show up. <laughs> <Yeah>. No, <laughs> like, that's not, that's and that's, and that's again, it's like, and I'm like, well, what do you mean? And I, but it also points to what you said, where I think a lot of businesses, they don't always measure. Like I've, I've been asking this question on resume uh, when I do like resume sessions, people like, okay, well, what are your KPIs? What are you, what, what measurements or how are they measuring that you're successful in this role? Because those will give you a framework for the bullet points that you want to put in your resume. Oh, well, yeah, we don't really do that where I work. How do you know if you're doing a good job? <laughs> so companies are probably I, to blame for that as well. I guess. You know, you know, that we're talking about this, some great content for me. Like I love to hire and interview people who've been fired, who are actually upfront that they were fired that have the self insight to say, I was fired and here's why. Mm. And here's what I took out of that. And here's what I'm gonna do better the next time. I find those people tend to be really, really high performers in the next job if they if they take it to heart, right? Um, and, and I say that because like, I've, I've lost jobs. I've been fired from jobs. I've been laid off from jobs. Like, and, and I find most people, when you run into them, there's a little difference between the layoff and the firing. Because layoff, sometimes you can blame, you can sh shift blame, right? And go, well, it was the economy. It was COVID. It was a crappy, our senior leadership team. 
and they don't really see, realize see, they don't really realize that potentially but like you know there were some people that didn't get laid off why did they get not get laid off and you did where the fired person they got fired <laughs> it was their performance right it was there and like either they take it in or again, they try to blame shift. Like, but I always find it fascinating to interview them because I've actually hired a number of people that have gotten fired from jobs that were just very upfront about here's why. And like, I screwed up. Like, I was the one that like that. I, there's a there, they should have fired me. I would have fired myself if I was in that job, right? Doing that. Um, and then I go, oh, that's this person's going to be good. Like, they have self insight. They have an awareness of what is really happening to them. Um, but it's such a low percentage of people that actually come with that. It's kind of like I think it was Cindy, you know, that had some pretty high self insight to where she works best. Like, it's it's one of those. It's hard to find people with great self insight in, in our society for some reason. And I don't know why, but when you interview a lot of people like we have as recruiters, it just seems like you just you, you constantly run into people that kind of lack that core like attribute. Yeah, look, I see. I see. I think one one of the big things I also see is, you know, when I tell people what's the ideal candidate for any job, I'm always telling them the hiring managers. Most of the hiring managers I've dealt with, the ideal candidate, somebody who's doing the same job at a competitor. <laughs> they, and then I go, if you want to know if you're really the top candidate, you're gonna look at that job, and then you're gonna go and go and Google and look up top competitors. And then go, did I used to work at one of those companies? And if so, did I hold the same title and the same responsibilities? Then you know you are the, the perfect candidate because you don't have to get trained. You already know the job and it's a very little risk. And the problem is, is very, very few people are in that spot. To go back yeah. to your point, it's like people are just applying to random jobs. And uh, But anyway, look, I, we've, we've gone longer than the show was supposed to be. So Okay. Uh, I love, I usually, it's usually a 40 minute show. We've gone over an hour. So hey, uh, we, we love talking shop, man. I, I love it too. So Tim, where, where can people find your content? Where do you hang out? Tell us where yeah. you're hanging out online and I, uh, we'll get those posted. From the, from the branding standpoint, it's all Tim Sackett. It's timsackett.com. I'm Tim Sackett on all the social stuff. Um, there used to be a truck driver chaplain named Tim Sackett in Minnesota. He might still <laughs> yeah. be there, but um, my SE, my SEO is so strong that I've taken all of his SEO I'm sure he curses me at night. No, he's a, he's a religious guy. I'm sure he doesn't, but well, um, he, he owns a business then the truck. He, he's like, tr no, like, I don't know. Like he just, his, I, it was so funny. Cause early on, like, you know, you, you like you, the narcissism, you like, you Google yourself or I actually I like Google alerts set up. Right. Um, yeah. And all of a sudden I like saw them like, Oh, there's a truck driver chaplain that like, there were some articles written about him that he would just show up to, to like truck stops and like, preach the gospel to truckers wow. it, was tim, it was tim sackett you can't find that dude anymore like he doesn't exist because i like stole all of his seo so uh just tim sackett on the socials yeah. all right i love it tim well hey thanks uh so much for your time guys for me. i always say if you're gonna try and connect with tim connect on linkedin and then just be patient if you've got questions you want to dm him totally fine but yeah. again just be patient not like me, he doesn't hang out on LinkedIn all day. Uh, he's more on X. I'm pretty good, but um, yeah, sometimes it takes a bit. So, No, but de definitely worth a follow, worth a connection. And uh, and then, guys, I will be back on Monday. Let me just see who I got coming on the show on Monday. Because um, I'm now doing the show twice a week, which is exciting. Because i got to get to episode 100 of this podcast. If I don't, it's a, an epic failure. So Monday, we have – I've got – 
Sean on the show from Recruit CRM. Um, so excited to hear about that technology and uh, have Sean on the show. So tune in on Monday, same time. Uh, and then as always, thank you to MetaView. Wouldn't be possible without you guys. So really appreciate that. And check out the last video I did for MetaView. I'm going to re-upload it because I went out of sync. Uh, but definitely check out MetaView if you're still using your fingers to type. So Tim, thanks again, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We'll uh, we'll talk soon. I'm going to end right. this.